as Jaya said yesterday, uh, the framework, the frame of reference of the provided by the Satipatthana Sutta offers an increasingly inclusive possibility for investigating how our experience is shaped and conditioned moment by moment. So just as a reminder, we began with mindfulness of the body and and never leave that but then the lens of Vedana such a illuminating lens in terms of the taking us to the genesis of dukkha distress difficulty reactivity uh, yesterday jaya spoke about this very pervasive and influential aspect of mood and mental states chitta and uh, this morning just like to offer a few reflections on an aspect of chitta so in a sense staying in this third satipatthana to reflect on just the power of thought and thinking in relation to the mood, the mental state, the, the creation of our experience, the, the creation of our world of the moment. You know. One translation of that, that verse that we've referred to a couple of times, all experiences preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind, goes on to say, with our thoughts we create our world of the moment. Not just with the the very obvious thoughts, but with the buried perceptions and conceptions and belief systems that shape all that we experience and perceive. And as meditators, we, we can have the view, either consciously or unconsciously, that the aim is to get rid of thoughts. You know, that thoughts are somehow kind of the obstacle and the enemy. <laughs> you know. And, you know, really important to, to honor, uh, well, again, good luck, you know. Uh, but also just to honor, you know, that thinking has a really important place in practice. You know, reflective thinking, where, where we kind of ground thinking in a sense of the body, mindful awareness, and, and we, we dwell with, we uh, hold in mind a reflective question. The metaphrases, you know, these are, these are thoughts. The, the sense of, okay, breath, in-breath, out-breath. These are thoughts. The perception, not me, not mine, it's a thought, you know. So, so really, uh, you know, to, 
to acknowledge that the aim isn't a, isn't a freedom from thoughts, but perhaps a, a freedom with thoughts, developing greater freedom with thoughts. An ability to relate to them in a less entangled and entangling way. You know. An ability to, to practice with difficult thought patterns, times when thinking is intense or obsessive or, or kind of sabotaging of a sense of well-being. And this, this kind of deepening understanding, experiential understanding of, of how they shape our world. How do thoughts shape our world? How do they condition experience? And we can see this, this kind of relationship between moods and mentals, moods and mental states and thoughts, can't we? You know, don't, don't moods tend to produce thoughts colored by the mood, of the same flavor as the mood? And that the thought so often reinforces the mood, doesn't it? There's a kind of feedback loop between thoughts and moods, yeah? And this can be particularly noticeable um, with unpleasant moods and mental states, which tend to come with more story and thinking, don't they? You know, if we wake up in a pleasant mood, we don't tend to think, why am I in this mood? What does this mean? What's it going to say about today? Who's to blame? You know, we just don't tend to have so much baggage of thinking with pleasant moods. They don't constellate a world of, that feels so solid. And, you know, just to notice, well, what's going on in unpleasant moods that, that leads to that? And this is, this is where the kind of insight of mindfulness-based cognitive therapy about depressive relapse is really precise and, and you know, very reflective of the Buddha's precision. You, you know, that, that the, the, the observation that cognitive reactivity to the unpleasant Vedana of ordinary low mood is the, is the place where if I've had a history of depression or anxiety or panic or just life difficulty, it, it's so easy for, you know, I, I wake up, you know, I'm in remission from depression and I just wake up in a kind of cranky mood, you know. So easy to, to then go, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean about, you know, my relationship with depression? What does it mean about the future? What does it mean about me as somebody who's able to manage depression? And we can just feel the spiral downwards. Yeah? And it's just like the thinking mind coming along trying to help, as, as Mark Williams puts it. Problem-solving mind say, "Oh, we've got a low mood. Let's try to work out why it's here, and you know what to do about it, how to get rid of it." You know, 
And actually the thinking is, is the depression at some level. It's what invokes the depression because the more the thinking, kind of more negative the thinking, the more it lowers the mood and the unpleasantness of that triggers more thinking. And it's like a kind of, uh, well, it's just feedback loops that carry us down. And the same could be with panic or anxiety, couldn't it? You know, unpleasant. And I think, oh God, I've got to do something here. Something's really wrong. And that thinking is enough. The unpleasantness of that is enough to kind of contract the body and the mind further. And that triggers more, you know. So MBCT created very precisely for those moments where there's low chitta state, low or un, unpleasant chitta state. And what can we kind of insert at that moment? What can we practice at that moment that helps us not to go down the old pattern of reactive thinking? Which psychologists, of course, call rumination. It's what cows do, isn't it? You know, they kind of bite the grass, chew, 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 swallow, regurgitate, chew, swallow, regurgitate, you know. And, and we do that, don't we? You know, we can find it happening on retreat, the kind of old uh, thought patterns come up to be chewed upon again, you know. And the, the Buddha called this proliferating of thought. He gave it this important term, papancha. Papancha. Should be very familiar to some here. Which could be translated as elaboration, proliferation, so kind of multiplication, rumination. Interestingly, objectification and reification. Some scholars suggest that the word papancha literally means pa means very, pancha means five. Well, what do we make of that? Very five, and and some scholars suggest well that actually refers to the five physical senses. And that when I think in a certain way, it makes things seem very real. Very as if this is a real solid world that I'm talking about. So very five, very objective, very thingy, you know. And, and isn't that, isn't that the, the case, you know? Catastrophizing. You know, it's a mental state where, where a really awful future feels so real, you know. And the Buddha described Papancha as like a net, a net that we just get entangled in. And he, he highlighted how Papancha has, you know, particular themes, so, so craving and aversion. You know, they generate lots of papancha, don't they? Views of self. Spoke about last night. The, the views of self, the self-images, the self-beliefs. That's a particular papancha theme often. Views in general, he, he said. You know, 
views and opinions. The human mind seems to so easily generate lots of those, doesn't it? <coughs> Christina Feldman likes to point, out, point to another one, which is fear, just to acknowledge how much papancha gets triggered by the, percept- the mental state of fear because it's a survival level of anxiety that kind of spews out all these thoughts trying to fix it, trying to resolve it, trying to protect against what we think uh, needs to be defended against. And the Buddha is reported as having said, ordinary beings delight in papancha. The awakened ones delight in ni papancha, bless you. Ni papancha, which means not proliferating. Ni mean, meaning not. And you know, at this stage in the retreat, it may be a really precious opportunity to practice delighting in ni papancha. Or just to have moments of sensing what, what orients me to towards nipapancha, where I just don't need to get busy ruminating and thinking and planning it. And the body and the earth element are so helpful around creating that, uh, what Jaya yesterday called de-centered relationship with thoughts, where I just let them be just thoughts. Thoughts, thoughts tend to be quite air element, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? You know, the relationship with them can be quite fiery when, when there's a lot of aversion and craving and reactivity. That's fiery. But like Joseph's quotation mentioned last night about, you know, they, they become like a wisp of air when we see their selfless nature, when we see, oh, those are just thoughts. Thoughts just as thoughts that mental state's just as weather, you know. And the, the earth element of the body can be very helpful for just taking some of the momentum out of the reactivity to thoughts or out of the, the kind of cascade of them. It's interesting how many people seem to find that the, the, the tailbone, the base of the spine and the sit bones, really to give attention to that quite bony part of the body can just act as quite a break on the intensity of thinking. But you you may find, you know, it's the soles of the feet or the hands. But just to to have that sense of grounding in um, in the solidity of the body the earth element, it can quieten, it can, uh, you know, just the walk, walking practice <clears throat> and the solidity of that. Some, some thought patterns can be just too intense to sit with, don't you find? You know, you're sitting and it's just, there's so much papancha happening and so much, it can just be overwhelming. So often like anxiety or anger 
you know, to, to take them for a walk and to do you know, to feel the earth element in the body walking, it can just help to kind of digest the thinking and it's, and it's the energy that's in it. Because often we can see that, that the energy that's fueling the thinking is an emotional state. You know, that's the, the feedback loop. And sometimes, you know, there can be, I'm trying to deal with all this thinking. Actually, if I just sense, what's the emotion that's here? Oh, so kind of tu- tuning to the heart level, the, the felt level. Oh, there's anxiety here. And it's like to feel the emotion that's fueling it can kind of let some of the pressure out of the system in a certain way. And means the thoughts sometimes quieten down. Some of you have been really finding value in, in, in kind of n- naming the kinds of thinking that are oh, planning, judging, regretting. Christina has this phrase, entertainment thinking. <laughs> you know? It's like, it just comes along, it kind of seems just to want to play, play a tune, just to have something to think about, you know? Musical thinking, you know? I sometimes have noticed on retreat, kind of reporter mind that's thinking, oh, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell my friends about this, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, okay, there, you know? And just that vantage point where, where we can start to see thoughts as a bit like buses that come along and want to take us for a ride. Yeah? And almost like you can imagine, oh, the planning bus is coming along. And the bus driver is saying, come on board yet again. You know, we'll go in the same loop as last time. You know? <laughs> uh, and actually... No thanks, no thanks. My my sit bones are on the sidewalk, and I'm going to stay with them. Thanks very much. You know, because uh, because that also can just support. We don't have to get rid of the difficult thoughts to find a different relationship with them. You know, the the bus can be there, the door is open, the the beckoning is happening. Come on board again, and actually. If there's enough earth element in the body and enough sense of, okay, this is, you know, this is worrying, this is worrying, this is catastrophizing, you know, or this is just sadness, you know. There can be the sense of, okay, I, I, I have some space in relation to the difficult thoughts. We don't have to get rid of them to develop uh, uh, and deepen a new level of freedom with them. And this kind of wisp of air image that Joseph offers us, you know, today is a great day after these days of practicing in silence. Maybe you can just play with that sense of, oh, thoughts, just, can I feel their lightness? when they're not invested in and identified with, when they're not made me and mine. They're just thoughts, wisps of air.
and and we see then also their impermanence. They come and go, and when when we when when we don't just get on board them, they have more chance just to come and go. So, yeah, an encouragement to make this part of your practice uh, today. So precious to have a, a day after these, de- you know, that comes after a sequence of days when we've been practicing. The mind may be in quite a sensitive and uh, unusual, unusually calm or resourced place so really a day for wholehearted practice as best you can and including this this theme of thinking just to the extent that that feels helpful so shall we sit together I find it helpful to invoke the perception of earth element in the body. The weight of the lower half of the body. weight of the hands and the arms just allowing their natural weight the arising of the spine that uprightness that vertical verticality in space What is a, a wakefulness to complement restfulness?
And again, letting these orientations support a spacious presence. Spacious, friendly. Sensitivity to the ever-changing sensations of body sitting, breathing. Bodying. What's the, the mood or mental state of this moment? How does that mood, that mental state, tone or texture, the sensations of the the body and the felt quality of the chitta, the heart-mind in this moment? Breathing with that. Allowing that, however it is. Breathing with the Vedana, the feeling tone of the embodied heart-mind of this moment, whatever it is.
even from the the ground, the earth element in the body, maybe letting the arena of awareness open to hearing. Listening. The sounds and to silence. Listening with the whole body. Sensitive to sounds. To silence. silence out of which all sounds emerge and back into which they dissolve. on the ground of the body, can we sense this as a vastness of awareness? Spacious and sky-like. within this vast sky of awareness. Sounds arise and change, pass. Body sensations arise and change and pass. Moods and mental states 
rising and changing, passing like weather. Not me, not mine. Those mental states arising and passing. And thinking also arising and passing. Maybe verbal thoughts, visual images and thoughts. musical thoughts, pleasant, unpleasant, and neither. Not me, not mine. Just thoughts, just thinking, wisps of air, Even awareness itself, shaped as it is by perception and conception, not me, not mine, just awareness. 
arising, changing. Spacious. allowing of experiences of all kinds just to arise and change and pass and be known. ultimately groundless. Empty of selfhood and substantiality. Known in the spacious field of friendly presence.
It'd be really interesting to notice what happens when we hear the bell ring at the end of a meditation. What happens in the body? Are there things that suddenly relax that we didn't know were being held? Does something change in the attitude of the mind? Is there a kind of brightening and a, a waking up? Or just a recognition, oh, this is peaceful. And uh, what happens to our thought train? If there's a thought train happening. Or were you in a space between a thought? So one of the um, interesting ways I find to work with thought is to really pay attention to the spaces between thoughts. As uh, Ajahn Sumedho likes to say, to mind the gap, the way that we're told to do on the London Underground, mind the gaps between our thoughts. Uh, As Chris was saying, listening to the silence behind the sounds, between the sounds, and listening to the, the silence between the thoughts. Learning to delight in nipapancha, in non proliferation. can be useful to, to try to notice the moment of arising of a thought. Sometimes when we're quiet, we can kind of see them coming. We can see the buses coming, beckoning to us. And uh, when we notice that, it's a good moment to really feel the body and feel how that approach of the thought is actually felt in the body, isn't it, often? And and actually, if we stay with the body, there's less likelihood that we, we jump on the bus. And then we can pay attention to the ending of thoughts to notice that a thought's finished or gone, or the thought that seemed so, so real, you know, was so much forming my world two or three minutes ago, it's gone again. This endless process of rising and fading away. And also, I've, I've really, I'm really learning that uh, we don't have to finish all our thoughts. You know, we can't, this is a big thing, is once we've started think, thinking something, it's almost like the mind feels, oh, it's invested in this now. And uh, if we don't follow it through to the end, we've somehow squandered the investment. But actually, <laughs> it can be really interesting to just allow ourselves permission to drop a thought halfway, to realize... We've actually picked something up that we're carrying. We could just put it down. And the walking meditation is really good for this, especially if we do the walking in the formal style where you have a a limited length of path and which invites you then to stop regularly. This is a really good way of noticing and interrupting trains of thought. Again, not just as with everything, not to judge them, but to just really uh, punctuation points at which we can recognize what's happening. And that just that act of standing, breathing, grounding, feeling the feet uh, can really um, help relocate us, relocate our attention, or at least uh, step back and get a perspective on the thought train.
some of us find that the mind is busier during the sitting because there's kind of less... The walking actually invites some real um, attention into the physical body, and so that's really helpful. But some of us find that the mind gets much more lost in thought during the walking meditation, and I wonder whether this is a, because we have this, uh, you know, our main association of really working at being present comes with sitting. Most of us, our first introductions to meditation all happen sitting down. I was just thinking, I'd never been to a beginner's meditation class that began with walking. So somehow it, it, it's sort of unconsciously, no matter how, we, how much we try to convey this message that both are equally valuable, there's always a priority. It's like the firstborn, isn't it? It's the walking meditation. <laughs> I mean, it's the sitting meditation. So it just... Just imagine that the, the walking meditation was the firstborn. <laughs> I'm talking as a firstborn. It's a very burdensome thing in life, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so you can just play with watching this dance of mood and thought, finding your, finding your way back into the body when you notice you've left it behind and... Uh, Realizing you don't have to finish any tra- every train of thought that you find yourself on, and uh, noticing these entertainment thoughts as well, and uh, you know, thought, some thoughts are really you know pretty benign. But it's interesting to me to remember that the Buddha said even with our benign thoughts, if we spend a lot of time lost in thoughts, actually. It, it tires the mind, it tires the body, and it leads us away from steadiness and concentration. So even those seemingly benign thoughts are worth practicing interrupting, at least when we're really developing this sense of steadiness on retreat. So. Uh, we have groups again this morning. Um, <coughs> So in a moment when we leave, maybe if you could let the people in the first groups leave the hall first. And then a reminder that at 6.30 in M200, there's the affinity sit this evening for the LGBTQI community. And uh, have a very good day of practice. As we said, we're right in, in the middle of things now. And you've got, even if it, you don't believe this, you've got a certain amount of momentum established. And really savor this opportunity to practice in this, in this space, in this container, with this kind of momentum behind you. So have a good day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.